Amen. All right. You may be seated because I'm going to read to you quite a few verses today. I don't know how long I'll talk to you, but I do want to read the story just so you can get what the Lord is saying. Before I read first um, John, John chapter number 20, I want to pull out one verse from Acts chapter 8, chapter 1, verse 8. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, we'll read that and then we'll turn to John chapter 20, verse 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Ooh, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this divine opportunity in which you have given us the gift of life. You woke us up this morning. You clothed us in our right mind. And you brought us here that we may worship you together. Thank you, God, for bringing us together that we may be your church. And we just ask now, Lord, that you would have your way that you would come now with your spirit and minister to us and teach us all that you have for us. That you would awaken things that need to be awakened, Lord, for we glory in you alone. So, Father, have your way. Take every thought captive that we may be centered in you. We give all thanks to you for giving us the greatest gift ever through your son, Jesus. And now, Lord, as I stand, I ask that you would have your way with me. Crush the spirit of Felix that your spirit may be elevated to come and teach and preach to us. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody that believes, say amen. 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 Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth but you shall receive power you shall be witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Amen. Say, I got the power. <laughs> now turn to John chapter number 20. John chapter number 20. Verse number one. We there say amen. Whew. You turn and say, wait a minute. All right. Beginning of John chapter 20, verse one, it says, Now the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, 
they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following, and following him, and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloth lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed. Peter went in <clears throat> and saw. John went in, and he saw and believed. Verse number nine. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means, which is to say, teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascended to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that she had spoken these things, he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he, 
he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now, Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nail and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hand and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me and you have heard me, blessed are those who have not seen yet they have believed. Amen. Jesus had risen um, from the dead. And I want to go back to verse number 17. It says, and Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I am not yet ascended to my father, but go. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascended to the father and your father, to my father, your father, and to my God, and your God. <clears throat> Later on, he breathes on them, and he says to receive the Holy Spirit. I want to look at those two verses as one really signifying the picture of the relationship, and one signifying the power of the relationship and that's what I want to talk to you about the power of his relationship amen uh, so often in time we put all the power on ourselves we make it about us we make it about our personal relationship with others before we make it about our personal relationship with him not saying that we do not have power because we do have power, but our power source is through him. And when we, we lose power, when we make it about someone else more than we make it about him. I am not saying that you should not love other relationships and you should put them on the back burner, but you should never put them before your relationship with him. If your relationship with him uh, is not intact it is it is out of order it says seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else shall be added unto you so oftentimes we put so much pressure on ourselves because we look at relationships 
with our job, we look at relationships with, with our kids, we look at relationships with our enemies, we, we look at relationships with everything, and then whenever something doesn't look right, we complain about the relationship with our kid, we complain about relationship with our spouse, we complain about the relationship with our enemy. I mean, it's something that the enemy has used against us. I want, I, I believe that the Lord wants us to realize what he has done. When we realize what we have done, we are able to focus on him. And the world has been delivering us commercials each and every day to try to get us to focus on other relationships more than we focus on the relationship we have with him. Jesus is so awesome that he is the greatest gift that was ever given to man. When Jesus came, men were traveling from everywhere just to get into the present. I'm not talking about regular men. The Bible speaks of them as wise men. The wise men were traveling afar just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And as they came, they brought gifts because they knew in the spirit realm that they had received the greatest gift ever. God's promise of sending a savior to the earth was fulfilled at his birth. But it was not fulfilled for us to be a part of his great family until his death and resurrection. And so there was a plan. Somebody say, God has a plan. God had a plan that Jesus would walk the earth for so many days and present miracles and form relationships and, and then come to a point to where he would suffer, suffer a great whooping, a beating that no one has ever suffered before. The Bible says that he was whipped so bad he was unrecognizable. He was whipped all night long, and, the the, and in the Bible now we call that Good Friday. What was so good about Jesus being beat and Jesus being whooped all night long and then Jesus being hung on the cross? What made it good is that all of his suffering was to free us all from sin and death eternally because of what happened on Friday, it made it good for everyone who believes. Is there any believers in the house? What Jesus did on Good Friday was the start of something that would never be the same ever again. We call that a paradigm shift. There was a great shifting in things, and since that time, nothing will ever be the same. Now the devil can make accusations about you, whether you did it or you didn't do it, and even though it was done or wasn't done, no matter what it was, it could never be held to a believer because the blood of Christ that was shed when on Calvary cleaned up every believer's life. That's some good news. That means everybody who sinned is sinless now. Why? Because God had a plan. Say God has a plan. The plan did not always look good. But there were some good times in the plan. Because when Jesus was picking his disciples, 
Peter, John, and James, and he was walking and telling them about themselves, and they was joining in, and Jesus was walking along, and folk was sick, and Jesus was talking to them, and they were getting well. He was touching them, and they was getting well. He was opening up blind eyes, and I'm sure I can imagine, I use my spiritual imagination, just walking with Jesus. Watching folks get healed and people who were lamed and getting up and walking just because Jesus said so. If that wasn't enough, he stopped by the tomb and Lazarus was dead for four days. And he said, come forth. And Lazarus said, oh, death can't hold me when Jesus is calling me. And he came out the grave. I would think that the disciples was on a good ride. They were with one who can, can, could do anything. But he comes to a point where... It got rough. Anybody ever get any points in their life where it gets rough? Oh, we could come to church and we can praise. Uh-huh. And things could be going good and we can brag on God. But I want to talk to you about the rough moments for a minute. Has there been a time when you felt like you was all alone? Has there ever been a time where you've been doing all that you could do? and watching somebody doing wrong, and it seemed like their life is being blessed and your life is being crushed. I want to talk to the people who can just be real for a moment. Say God has a plan. God has a plan. And every time that it got rough for you, God had a plan. I remember when I first accepted my call to the ministry, I started getting sick a lot, and I ran into this lady that tried to abort my calling, and she was drunk, and I was listening to a drunk lady, and she told me, she said, you're not a real preacher because you don't have no anointing. She said, if you was anointed, you wouldn't be sick. I was listening to her, and I said, well, Maybe she's right. I shouldn't be going to church as sick as I am and people are being well. And God woke me up that night and said, every time you got sick, who made you well? And I got up and I said, oh, I got to keep on going. Because there was something that was going on inside of me that even though my mind wanted to quit, I couldn't quit. Even though you wanted to throw in the towel, somebody might be ready to throw in the towel right now, but there's something greater in you that happened because God loves you that won't allow you to throw in the towel. And so he gives us a picture of what was happening. I love the picture because it says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And here Mary Magdalene is. This is the woman who had seven demons in her. And Jesus casted out the seven demons out of her. And the Bible says she was the last one at the cross. And she was the first one at the tomb. Mary arrives at the tomb and notices that Jesus is not in the tomb. What I notice about, about God, he will use somebody who is not qualified or quantified, or qualified, or disqualified. It doesn't matter what people say it is. God will use anybody he feels like using 
to get the message across. I want to pause for a moment because when he begins to talk to her, you notice that this is the first conversation that he is having after the resurrection. And he happens to have it with a woman. But I heard that the church says that women should not be preachers. But Jesus, when he talks to her, he tells her to go and preach the gospel. Oh, goodness. In other words, nobody knew that Jesus was resurrected. Nobody knew of the good news. And Jesus says, in case there'll be some men to try to establish order in my house and say who could do what, let me set the record straight. I will use who I want to use when I want to use them and how I want to use them. So the very first preacher in the New Testament was a woman. I want all the women in here that know that Jesus has a calling on your life to give him a praise. He, he uses the woman. He says, go and tell them that I'm ascending. And in order to ascend, you have to be a resurrected. And the woman, she goes... And she tells the disciples that Jesus has been risen. Wait a minute. The Bible says that same evening, that same evening, after she had told them that Jesus was alive, that same evening, the Bible says that the disciples, the one who seen Jesus do everything, the one who knew the Old Testament scripture that he had to die and be resurrected, were locked up in a room afraid of Jews. Isn't it something that we will lock ourselves up in a room of fear of what is going to happen next? Uh, I want to talk to the people that are just be real. When stuff starts going on in your life, you start wondering and doubting if God is really with you or not. The disciples, the same day they heard that Jesus was alive, they was locked up in the room. God told me to tell you he don't care where you lock yourself up. You will never be able to keep Jesus out. Once Jesus gets in, he stays in. Go behind any door that you want to go behind. Lock it up as tight as you want to lock it up. And the same way Jesus appeared to them when the doors were locked, the Bible says he just showed up. He showed up in body form. Even though he was in a body form, he got beyond the door. What he's saying is, I don't care what goes on in your mind. I'm going to come through 
any door you try to close me out because I purchased you with my blood that I left on the cross. And if I purchase you, I'm going to raise you up out of every situation. There's no need to fear because Jesus is all in here. No wall. He, he gets beyond the door because he will never leave you in fear. He, he can't because the opposite of fear is peace. See, if you are in fear, you have no peace. And the Bible says that he is the prince of peace. And if you have no peace, it is his job to give you peace. So notice what he says to them. He says, peace to you. He didn't tell them stop fearing because he knows that peace will overshadow fear. If you have peace, fear will just leave. And so he says to them, just peace. I'm here, just rest in me. But wait, wait, wait. He wasn't said, you're going to need something to hold the peace. You know how that was a troublemaker? But then there was always somebody that would always try to keep the peace. It was a balance, right? (laughs) No matter what. And then, and then trying to keep the peace. And the ones that are disturbed by the peace are mad. Why you always got to try to. That's what God does. God's going to keep the peace. This enemy that's going to try to disrupt your peace. And he tries to use fear. A fear factor that comes from You have to know and understand who gave you life, who saved your life. Once you understand who, then you won't worry about anything else that happens in life. Oh, goodness. Because of life. And see, he's the one that has given you life. What kind of life? Have eternal life. And so they were stuck because of His life that was gone. So he said, now that I have risen, God simulates the same thing that happened when he gave life was lifeless. Laying on the ground. The Bible says that God became a living being. Oh, goodness. But God says, I will do exceedingly abundantly more than what he has already done. So he sends his son. When Jesus said, he said, he breathed on them and he didn't tell them to receive life. He said, receive the Holy Spirit because he took them from life in the natural to life in the supernatural. And sometimes we are too busy trying to breathe in the natural instead of taking in the supernatural so we don't take in the power that God has given us, which is the Holy Spirit that already dwells in you. So he said, I know what you need. And 
he breathed on them. And I think about it for a minute because Jesus is so masterful that he says some of them may not receive it. But if I say it, no matter what they want to do, they got to do what I say do. So he says, receive it. Now, the disciples had no choice when Jesus says it. It's almost like you had no choice because you tried AA and that didn't work. But when Jesus spoke it, you just had to put the bottle down. See, there was sin that you couldn't give up. But when Jesus spoke, you had to give up because the power of the Holy Spirit has rulership over you and that spirit dwells in every believer. And I want to talk to the ones who are believers. Can I get a praise from a couple of believers today? Because, 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 because the power in your relationship is predicated on your belief system. If you believe it won't work, it won't work. But if you believe it's gonna work, even when it looks like it can't work, even when they say it's not going to work, if you can believe God, then it has to work. God is the one that is working on you. And if God is working on you, then he will work everything out for you. The issue becomes, do you believe him or not? So then, so then, let's have a reference point. Um, I want you to put uh, Matthew 28, 17 on the board because the disciples are just like us. They have believing problems. Now, they walk with Jesus, and I, and I used to trip. I, I, mean, I used to tell God, God, how can, they, how can they walk with Jesus and see Jesus do all this stuff? See it! And then doubt him. Because of one whooping, one hanging, they doubt it. Wait, wait. They believed him to be dead that can call out a dead. When they saw him, they worshiped. Uh, are there any worshipers in here? When they saw him, they worshiped. But some, they doubted. You know, the, the devil threw everything he could at me in my info stage to stop me from preaching the gospel. They had bets against me. Oh, he'll be back to this life. Word came to me. I started to believe that I would fall back. See, all the, all the ones that sinned before, just wink at me. Let me know you sin. Because you stayed in some of the sin because you liked it. And there was stuff that I liked. 
And there's a reason why I liked it is because I was still tempted by my old master. And he tricked me into believing that I liked some stuff that I really didn't like. I'm going to tell you to this day, but people who smoke, you don't like it. There's an enemy telling you you like it, and you believe him. And when you believe God, you'll stop smoking. And you're going to go, ugh. I used to do that. That's when the spell gets broke. Everything that is against the power of God and you're doing it and thinking you like it is because the old master is still talking to you and you believe him. Somebody shout, I believe God. So he said, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Uh, can we just be real in here? As sanctified and holy as we are, sometimes you might doubt. Huh? And it, doubt is a contradiction of your belief system. Now, if these brothers, now I'm just looking at it from my perspective. If these brothers was walking with him and he doing all this stuff and they doubt, God, I, 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 I get before God, God, how, how are they going to doubt? God said to me, he said, how are you going to judge them? He said, I was walking with them, but I am walking in you. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Woo. So if anyone shouldn't doubt, it should be the ones who have me on the inside instead of ones that had me on the outside. I want to talk to the people with God on the inside who's ready to break down every door of doubt by giving God a believing praise no matter what you're up against. That you will believe God, that if the walls are as tall as Jericho, that you are one praise away from it coming down. They, they had a problem. They, some, some doubted. But God brings in relationships so we can come together. Mark 16 and 11, because I want to work through this. Say God has a plan. He won't leave you in fear and he won't leave you in doubt. He's coming. When you shut the door with fear, he's coming in. When you shut the door with doubt, he's coming in. You can't keep God out. And when they heard that Jesus was alive, and had been seen by her. What happened? When they heard that Jesus was alive, the Bible says they didn't want to believe it. You know how it is. You get your mind so set on something that it's hard for you to believe anything else. But Jesus said, look, I got to get you out of your mind. And focus on the breath of life that I've given you. The power of the spirit. So he, he talks to him this way. Verse 12. After that, 
he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. Verse 13. And they went and told it before the rest. But what happened? They did not believe either. Because they don't believe, do you think Jesus stopped there? No. Why? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Don't allow any disruption in your life to stop sharing the good news. Jesus is still resurrected. Jesus is still on the throne of your life. And Jesus has given you the victory in every area of your life. Don't worry about the outcome. Don't even worry about the income. Because God's in charge of everything, both income and outcome. God will work it out. Come on. God will work it out it out come on god will work it out now you got a new song verse 14 verse 14 they didn't quit jesus said later later jesus says i'm still on a mission because there's still some doubters later he appeared to the 11 and they sat at the table check this out and he said if you don't believe the hearing i'm gonna rebuke it I'm going to rebuke the thing that's stopping me from performing in your life. See, you are one belief away. If you can let him have your unbelief, then you can have every promise that he has over your life. It says, he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because, why? They did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. God, Jesus won't allow you to stay in unbelief. He's given you this word because he wants you to believe. I don't know what you're facing right now, but you have the power to reverse it. You have the power to rise above it. You have what's called resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. This is the relationship that he has with you, that he won't give up. He won't quit. He will come behind any closed door. He will kick down walls. He won't let up. And when you're hurting, he's only letting you know that he wants you to see how much of a healer he is. God has given you this power through a relationship with him. So I ask you, whose report do you believe? When God got started with you, he didn't say, I'm going to leave you halfway through. He didn't say, I'm going to leave you when times get hard. He said, I've begun a good work, and I'm going to complete it. God says, my, my goal is to resurrect you from every situation that you can't do yourself. He says, I've given you the power by breathing my spirit. 
spirit, his Holy Spirit into you, you have the power if you activate it. Pastor, how do I activate it? That's why Jesus rebuked it, because he needs agreement. We cannot not believe him because we're in disagreement with him. So he has to rebuke unbelief so that we will believe. Somebody shout, I believe. So then how do you activate it? The Bible says you two or more can come into agreement. Well, there's nobody here. I'm by myself. No, you're not. You're with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the power that you need to agree with. Not your thoughts and not your mind. He says, I want relationship with you. That means trust me, believe me. And when you come together with me, there was a cartoon when they put their hands together, they were called the Wonder Twins. See, and that's who you and the spirit are, Wonder Twins. Wonder Twins, activate. And when they came together, the power was activated and they could do anything. And I want you to leave with this. I'm agreeing with God and I'm releasing anything to happen that God has purpose to raise me up. Give God a hand of praise. When you leave today, because your Savior has risen, it doesn't matter what area is down in your life. Start praising God and believing it and leave it right there. And when you leave it there, when you believe, let, let me just give you a belief system. If you had an employer and you worked hard and you had a contract that $100,000 was gonna be in the bank, when you finished, you believed it was going to be in there. And you called the bank, and it was in there. You don't even have it yet, but you checked. And you got on your phone, and you was able to see your account. You believed it was there. You was happy it was there, right? And you start functioning, functioning in your belief. Why? And you can believe that God is going to do better than you can imagine? Function right there. And when people say, why are you so happy? Say, because of what God is doing. He's resurrecting because he is resurrected. Give God a hand of praise. Okay, we got to go. But as we go, listen. 